This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute, with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, a podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore high school sports. I'm Michael Dwojak with the record North Shore founding members Joe Coughlin and Mario Carlino. As we got our wishes fulfilled, we got football schedules, we got seven on seven, so we got a lot of football to talk about. We are midway through July, so probably uh, five weeks, six weeks away from the start of the fall season for football. So um, we're going to have like a pseudo kind of way too early summer football show for you guys here where uh, we'll break down what we saw, what we uh, are expecting for the season, some notes and that kind of stuff. And um, so we're going to make this kind of a pseudo football show with some other stuff thrown in there. And we're going to do our regular four quarter format where in the first quarter we uh, talk about seven on seven, some things that Marty saw when he was out there on the practice field. In the second quarter, we are joined by both uh, head football coaches in our area, New Trier head coach Brian Dahl and Loyola Academy head coach John Holosek. In the third quarter, we play away or nowhere, a weekly guessing game. And then in the fourth quarter, we are going to look over the schedules since those are actually released today on Wednesday, um, the day we're recording this. So uh, we'll break those down and uh, try to give some way too early predictions about what is going to happen this upcoming fall. But um, well, we get things started here in the first quarter where, uh, Marty, I know you were out there covering seven on sevens. Uh, a lot of good storylines to look at with uh, both Loyola and Nutria. I know some uh, other teams are also there, but I'm obviously only going to focus on Loyola and Nutria. But um, why don't we start things off with you, Marty, just talking about, um, let's start with Nutria, with what you saw from Nutria. Um, obviously, you you can take a little bit from seven on sevens, but you're not going to get the full picture until training camp starts. But um, what do you see from Nutria and some interesting tidbits and notes um, from what you saw in the practice field? Yeah, the first thing that that really stuck out to me and the first thing that I noticed when I first got to the field was just the sense of familiarity that seven on sevens brought with it. Uh, obviously, it was something that didn't happen last year because of the pandemic and the abbreviated lead up to the season and everything that went into that. So this was sort of the first time in two years that uh, our football teams had had the chance to, to do some seven on sevens, do some early summer scrimmages. So it kind of just felt like a normal off season leading up to a normal high school football season, or as normal as we can be given these circumstances, which was really nice and really great. So that was awesome. Both coaches had mentioned that both coaches mentioned how valuable they thought seven and seven on sevens are and how in previous years, maybe they kind of take it, had taken them for granted and having the return of them was something that was really nice. So that was overall just my first sense. And then onto the actual on the field play and some, some things I noticed, we'll start out with Nutrier as you had referenced there, Michael um, Nutrier had started the scrimmage against Loyola with, with the first possession on offense and the first thing that jumped out to me is the playmakers that they're going to be bringing on the offensive side of the ball this year. 
the the big player they're going to replace obviously our listeners who are familiar with last year's team is going to be running back Brody Roth who was probably their um, their go-to guy on offense uh, he also could be considered their go-to guy on defense as well so he's going to be a major replay player to replace um, for them this season but uh, on offense he was their running back he um, did a little in the pass catching department as well, caught, caught some passes. Uh, he was a huge part of their offense when they needed yards, when they needed a big play, it was Brody Roth. You knew the ball was going to be in his hands. So replacing him isn't going to be a cha- is going to be a very big challenge for the Trevs, but it seems like the wide receiver and tight end group that they're going to have this year is going to be the best in they, that they've had in quite some time, maybe the best in, um, program history because they're bringing back a lot of talent from last year's five and one team. And that group is going to, going to be led by three familiar names that we have mentioned several times on this podcast, uh, both for, for this upcoming season and last season, that's Finn Cohn, who's going to slide, who's going to slot in as at the tight end position, Alex Mendez and Josh Kirkpatrick, who mostly will be wide receivers. But um, that, that offense is going to have a really great, balance to it in the sense that I think Cohen is going to be a really great between the seams guy. Um, you know, your t- 10 to 20 yard types plays when you need a passing play. And then they're also going to be able to stretch the defense with Kirkpatrick, who I think is a great deep threat. He showcased that quite a bit last season. He had a couple uh, real nice downfield catches. And then Mendez is going to be all over the place in a variety of roles on both offense and defense. So also got to throw Jack Cummings into the mix who we saw last year could could be a nice deep threat and that nice middle range threat for them as well. So a lot of talent on offense coming back specifically in the, that wide receiver and tight end position right now, there are some names in early consideration to replace Brody Roth. One of those names is Jack Cummings, who I mentioned, he's one of the guys that the coaching staff is looking at. And um, also Jackson McCreary, who's a sophomore that they brought up that coach Dahl spoke very highly of very explosive guy. It sounds like, and Jackson Oxenkurt, um, a familiar last name for new Trier fans right there, who is also going to be coming up to varsity this season. So a lot of, lot of talent at the skill position for the Trevs. I think their offensive line is going to be really formidable. formidable. They're returning um, almost the entire offensive line. I think last year they only had one senior, um, one or two seniors contribute on the offensive line. Um, losing David Davikoff was a huge loss for him last year, but it did allow some underclassmen and some players who might have not gotten a lot of chance if he were there to get some experience. So uh, that'll be valuable moving into this season. Then the main position on obvious on offense is obviously the quarterback. And this is where Nutria might be the most stacked. It's almost an embarrassment of riches type of scenario because they have returning starter Nevin Kremiscoli coming back who uh, we saw some really impressive things from last year. His ability to move outside of the pocket and run as, as a quarterback was really admirable and a, and a valuable asset to that offense last year. His, his passing game is, I think, where he'll need to take the step forward this year. He'll need to showcase, I think, a little bit more maybe consistency in that department as we uh, move into this year. But he is a, a senior quarterback heading into now with three years experience on varsity. So He's going to be a, a tremendous asset for them. And then they also have a junior uh, who is going to come up for his first year on varsity, Graham Maestros, who just looked phenomenal um, in the seven-on-seven scrimmage, showcased an ability to pass in and outside of the pocket, showcased a big arm, um, showcased accuracy, the ability to, to put the ball in, into some tight spaces. So 
the coaching staff has spoken very highly of him every time his name comes up. He's, he's someone I, I know they have big aspirations for uh, moving forward. And he might even contribute as early as the, the first couple of weeks of this season, because as of right now, coach Dole did not yet name a starter at the quarterback position. So a lot going on there on offense. I'll, uh, I'll let you guys jump in now here as well. I think what's going to be interesting, um, you know, you, you broke down the positions and obviously the, their pass catchers are going to be something special, but you know, where does Kremiscoli or Maestros go? Whoever does not get the starting quarterback nod. Uh, Coach Dole and his staff are kind of known to keep talent on the field, not on the sidelines. So are we looking at another pass catcher? Are we looking at, um, you know, somebody they can do some creative things with in the run game with whether either one of those two, because Maestros, as we know, you talked about Kremiscoli's um, athleticism, but Maestros, uh, same thing. You know, he's a, he's an up and coming big baseball talent as well. So he can do a lot of things um, athletically. So whoever doesn't get that nod, I, I'm, I'm curious to see how they, how they get them on the field. I think they, I think Dole will, um, whether it's offense or defense. And I'm curious to see how you're going to replace Brody Roth on the defense end. I guess on the offensive end, we know running back, it's going to be hard to fill those shoes, uh, but they got a couple names out there, but he did something very unique. And I think, special at the outside linebacker position we're talking over 100 tackles including um shared tackles in six games um he was all over the field and he, he used a lot of his athleticism to to knife through defensives and, and, and make tackles so did they strike gold there did, you know does that work in their offense can they put somebody similar in skill set as roth in that position and make it work for him this year it's well yet to see but i think that was very key to their defense last year and i think they're going to want to do something similar this year. So uh, I'm interested to see those things. And obviously those, you know, won't come for a while, but um, kind of got me pumped already reading Marty's story. Yeah, guys. I mean, obviously there are fewer things that uh, get football fans uh, more going than the, football, than the quarterback competition. So, I mean, obviously there's a month left of a summer before training camp starts and all that kind of stuff, but how much of a real competition do you guys feel like this is? Do you guys feel like, um, this will actually be a competition heading down to the final days of camp where you're getting ready for week one or, or is this just kind of like a generality where, yeah, you're going to let both guys compete, but you kind of know who's going to take over, um, once the season actually really starts. Yeah, I think it absolutely is a, a competition right now. Uh, Coach Dahl used the word battle. Uh, and I think, you know, just, just the fact that he didn't even commit to a starter is something that is noteworthy because, Kremiscoli, I, I believe, has the advantage in, in the battle right now. And I believe probably, you know, all things considered is likely to be the week one starter for this team. But the fact that he is a senior quarterback and has multiple years experience on varsity and there's, um, you know, a position battle going on right now in training camp shows you how highly they think of, of Maestros. I mean, typically you would hear a coach, you know, immediately commit to a quarterback in that position, uh, especially one of Kremiscoli's uh, capability, who's shown us uh, an ability to to be a successful quarterback at the varsity level. I mean, he was uh, he led the team to a five on one record, and one was a, a huge part of that, and played played pretty damn well as a quarterback last year for them. So just the fact that they're calling this a competition, and uh, you know, giving giving Maestro some reps and giving them him him reps with the first team in the and the first starters out there shows you, I think, how highly they think of him. Yeah, I think it's real. And if we can use um, 
off the field chatter as a source. Uh, I think kind of <laughs> new career people on the inside knew this was going to be a battle coming into this year, and they knew Maestros was legit. So uh, I think this will be fun. We obviously know what kind of uh, quarterback Kermit Scully is, but what kind of quarterback is Maestros, and um, which quarterback do you guys kind of feel fits better with what Coach Dolan is often offense likes to do? That's a good question. I think Marty, you saw them live. I've only seen some tape. Yeah, uh, but I think they're they're similar type pocket passers. I think they are as well. Yeah, and with big arms, they got they both have big arms. They both competed in some camps, um, like QB camps around the area. Um, I mean, across the country, probably. So I think they're that type. But I also don't think Dahl has a quarterback type. I think he works with. Um, he kind of molds his offense around the talent he has. I think that's one of his specialties. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I think that's well said, Joe. And Maestros, from what I've seen so far, just has an absolute rocket. And I've seen him at third base for the baseball team as well. And I, I know that his, his arm in baseball is tremendous. And I saw on Monday that that arm straight translate to, translates to football as well. He's He's got a great arm and it's precise too, accurate. So um, and that's not to say that Kremiscoli doesn't as well. I think he has uh, some really good arm strength to him as well. And from his sophomore to junior year, we saw some big improvements in his ability to navigate the pocket and run outside of the pocket. That was a huge thing for him last year. From what I saw, because I obviously didn't cover him a lot his sophomore year, his arm strength did also increase as well uh, in that sophomore to, to junior transition. That is the area, I think, though, where he's going to take the biggest step forward in this transition from junior to senior year I think you'll see uh, that arm continue to develop and he'll showcase a little bit more uh, with the ability to throw the football and in high school football when you have a quarterback that has the ability to be creative and create plays outside of the pocket with their legs and then also stand in the pocket and stare down a rush and fire a pass when you need to that's when you get really dangerous offenses because that's the combination that gives defenses just incredible trouble so I think that's the area where, where we'll see some growth from him this season. So uh, it, it really is hard to say what, 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 uh, what, what decision they're going to go with here. Cause it, it's a tough one. I think there's immense talent from both of these players. And um, just to, to the point back that I mentioned earlier, that that shows you how highly they think of, of Graham given that, that, that this is going to be a competition right now. So yeah, two, two really talented quarterbacks there. We obviously know the defense for Nutria was a major story for last season, obviously keeping them in and stymieing what um, opponents' offenses are able to do, but that was a really senior-heavy uh, defense. So um, what can we really expect from this team? Again, like I've mentioned a few times already, you can't get a lot from seven-on-seven, like you can't get a lot of some, from summer workouts. But what is this defense going to be like, and what are uh, some things that um, fans can look forward to and some things that the Trevians are probably working on right now as we speak? Yeah, it's a bit of a role reversal this year for this uh, new cheer team. You mentioned there, you mentioned it there, Michael. But last year, the strength of the team was defense, and going into the season, they had nine returning starters coming back on the defensive side of the ball. Now this year, on the offensive side of the ball, they have those same nine returners back on offense. So, um, bit of a of a role reversal where last year it was a lot of new names on offense, a lot of new faces. This year. It's a lot of new names and faces on defense. So Joe had mentioned it earlier in the podcast, the big name to replace is Brody, Brody Roth. Um, just a tremendous 
all around football player, but I think he really separated himself and his ability on defense last year for Nutrier. He was just everywhere. I go back to that game against Maine South. I think it felt like on every single tackle he was there. You saw number eight in on the tackle. So he was a tremendous asset, and it'll be tough for Nutrier to replace them. I think there are a couple names that could have similar roles to what he did last year, with that being making contributions on offense and defense. Though these are names that I also mentioned earlier in the podcast and that Coach Dahl had mentioned as well, and that's Mendez. Cohen and Cummings. And I think those three names will be ha, will be very strong considerations at the linebacker position, um, if not seeing a lot of time at the at the three linebacking positions for Nutrier. So um, those are really some of the names that I think could step into that Brody Roth hybrid role. But it seems like early indications are pointing to the defensive line is going to be the strength of this defense, which is saying something because they did lose a lot of uh, D-line talent from last year's team, most notably uh, Luka Wojeski, who was a huge force for them on the on the D-line last year. So coming in, it sounds like a, a sophomore Ty Stringer is one of the names that they'll be looking at as a as a big part of the defensive line. And then also they have senior Charlie Zazula returning, who was a, a big con- contributor for them last year as well. So sounds like defensive line uh, is a real big strength for them right now. Still some uncertainty in the linebacking unit and the secondary. So um, those are really very important parts of the defense, especially if you face a quarterback that uh, can throw the ball a little bit. You have to have good linebackers and you have to have good corners and safety. So we'll see how those positions uh, wear out and move forward here. But uh, I think it'll still be a pretty good defense. Maybe not the level that we saw last year, though. It'll be really interesting to see what they're able to do um, and how that advancement and over the offseason goes. But let's move on over now to Loyola, where um, where Loyola obviously every single year is uh, positioned for a deep run and uh, good competitive games. But um, if there was a year to win the state championship, it was last or I guess this past spring. Um, and obviously there was no state championship there. But um, a lot of senior leadership is gone. A lot of college talent is gone. And um, a lot of holes to fill for Loyola. So Marty, um, what are your first impressions on a lot of position battles for the Ramblers? Yeah, the toughest thing about having a, a great team and a, a senior heavy roster is the following season. How do you replace all that leadership the next season? And that is certainly a, a conundrum and a, a challenging situation that the Ramblers are facing right now. I think last year they had something like 14 scholarship players. It couldn't even, it could even be a little bit higher than that. I might be undercounting it, but uh, on both sides of the ball, they were just absolutely loaded with, with senior talent. So this year it's going to be a a very different and a very different looking team. And it's going to have a little bit of a a different feel as they go through um, some learning curves for lack of a better term, because there's not going to be that same level of experience that they had last season. And that's similar to the team that we saw two years ago, which then translated into that team in the first part of this year, that was just absolutely dominant. So usually it's uh, it's not a great sign for the following year when Loyola has a bit of a building and experience gaining year, because uh, they're still pretty good in those years. And then the following year, that's when we usually get the state championship team. So a lot of, a lot of changes, a lot of new faces. Um, I think there is some good returning talent though, on both sides of the ball that did make some contributions last year. 
the big name to replace on offense is obviously Vaughn Pemberton. Uh, we've, we've mentioned him many times before on, on previous episodes of the podcast, but one of the best players in the state last season, just a, a force at the running back position, you know, you could almost say unstoppable with what he was able to do in the six games last year. And he was the, he was the main driving force for that Loyola offense last year, but then they're also going to be losing some talent uh, that, that they had last year at the quarterback position and some wide receiver talent as well. But the key returner for the Ramblers is Marco Maldonado, who had a, a very impressive junior year last year for the Ramblers. And he's going to step into uh, something similar to the Pemberton role, I believe. I think he'll be the workhorse back for this team. He'll get a significant amount of carries as well as um, play a part in the passing game because of his speed and his strength. And he, I expect him to have a really big year because he he really popped off the field on, on Monday, something that uh, he was definitely someone that uh, that really stood out and someone who's whose speed and quickness really caught my attention. So expecting big things from him. Then at the quarterback position, the, uh, the team feels very strongly and very, very confidently about Jake Sterney, who I think saw a little bit of time last season, um, a couple games here and there when, when JT Thomas had switched out or they had, they had given him a little bit of action last season, but they have high expectations for him heading into this year. He's got good arm talent, uh, good size, good pocket presence. So, I think that he'll be a, a real strong leader for the, uh, for the offense this year. And it was funny to me when I was reading your story from the seven on seven, that how uh, coach Alice said called the defense uh, still work in progress, considering every <laughs> single year that team is led by that defense and has probably one of the best defenses in the state. But um, I know uh, they lost, like we talked about the offense, they lost a lot of, a lot of big names on that defense as well, but um, Marty, who are some players that uh, fans can look forward to and um, some guys that are going to try to continue the repertoire of, of a dominant defense? Yeah, you can pretty much pick out uh, any position and they lost a starter on the defensive side of the ball because last year's Rambo's defense, as we have covered and uh, iterated on this podcast before, was one of the best we've ever seen, just absolutely loaded with talent at every position. So a lot of similar to offense, a lot of new faces, a lot of new uh, players stepping into new roles this year. But some of the names to look out for returner Mike Williams is back on the defensive line. He had a really nice season for them. And uh, Coach Holosek talked very highly of him and that he'll be kind of one of the anchors of the defense this year. And then also a, a familiar last name, uh, James Crutes, will be a, a big part of the defense as well. I think he'll kind of slot into that hybrid defensive line, linebacker role, uh, maybe spend a little bit more time as a linebacker, but he's going to be a big part of the defense and also another one of the uh, anchors that Coach Halsek had mentioned. And then uh, a familiar name for lacrosse fans from Loyola, Loyola lacrosse fans is Wilma Harris, who is expected to be a, a big contributor for the defense as well. And then Quinn Nemesheim as well, who also was one of the quarterbacks for the Ramblers that spent some time um, preparing for a, as a quarterback is now transitioning to uh, the defensive backfield. So just a couple names to watch out for. I'm sure uh, as the off season and season gets rolling, there will be five or six more college level players that'll step up on that defense. You know, it seems silly to ask this question, but should we be, con be concerned about Loyola's roster and whether they'll be able to put together a strong season? Like not even a little bit. Um, <laughs> you know, we've seen this before, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that happen 
that are special at Loyola football, right? It's just a special program. They got a lot, of, but there's some dynamic with all these talented players. Obviously, the football program, a lot of talent, but these talented players who dominate in the season, dominate the record books, things like that, and then move on. And their understudies have to come up. So you have talent coming up with something to prove, and that's dangerous. And I think, you know, whether or not Halasek and his team coach it up that way, I feel like that's a natural feeling. And it, it just leads to just no letdowns, just reloading instead of rebuilding. And um, especially that linebacking group, you know, they, I think they're graduating three guys that are playing division one football linebacking, or at least uh, college, I'm going to be linebackers in college. And you can just expect there's going to be two or three more that step up. are going to have a hundred plus tackles. Um, it helps when your coach is an NFL linebacker, but you know, that's just that program. And that's what is instilled within it. So I'm, you know, I'm not worried about, it, especially now um, <clears throat> really pumped to watch Martin Maldonado get 15 touches a game, 20 touches in competitive games, uh, maybe 25. Um, I think he's versatile. I think he can do maybe a little more in the passing game um, than Pemberton did. Not that Pemberton had to, obviously. Um, so that's going to be fun. And, you know, I'm, I, I think they'll be pretty good. I think they're really high on Sterney. I think it's going to be just another Ramblers team somebody's going to have to knock the crown off their head from the Catholic league, because otherwise they still got it. We'll be really interesting to see what they're able to do, especially in this next month before training camp starts. But um, we're going to move on over now to the second quarter, where you're going to hear from the coaches themselves. They'll give you guys some insight into what they're working on during these seven on seven. So um, why don't we start things off by listening to Nutrier head coach, Brian Dahl. On the offensive side of things, coach, how's the group looking? That uh, yeah, no, we, we're, is the unit I think you're expecting to be probably yeah, a little bit more experienced yeah, heading into the season. Yeah, you know, nine returning starters and just the um, bit of a role reversal yeah, from last just season. The, just the feeling of, you know, we, we, we have to replace obviously a running back, um, you know, and, and really a center. And, you know, other than that, we've got a lot of people back. And, mm -hmm. you know, we've got a nice little battle um, going on with Nevin and Graham now. And, you know, Nevin's obviously played a lot of games, but, you know, to have a another kid coming up who's so capable is really a nice sign for us and sure. gives, gives us some depth at quarterback. A lot of people don't have two kids competing at that level, and so it's nice to, to have kids going back and forth. And this is their first seven-on-seven seven that they've been at together, uh -huh. um, so it pushes each other, and that's what I try to, try to stress at the end. Like, the further we can push each other and make each other better, just makes us deeper as a team. Sure, and fair to say you haven't picked a starter then for week one? Yeah, I mean, you know, the reality of it for us is, like, we want to go through the whole summer, give both sure. kids an equal opportunity, um, and let them fight and compete and battle it out i i think the more i've learned in the years i've coached like you can't prepare for all the things that happen last year is a great example of that but you know we don't know what's going to happen in the next month of preparation before our first game except we've got kids that are going to come to practice and kids are going to compete at practice yeah. and then we're going to have to make decisions as the you know as august kind of lingers and, and we go through it so any names right now you're looking at to uh to replace brody at running back right now? um you know we probably have three kids um that are really taking the majority of the reps um you know, the first one I'll tell you is a sophomore. We moved up, Jackson McCreary, um, extremely fast, great baseball player, track runner, um, a kid that we're really sp spending a lot of time and focus with. Uh, the second one is Jackson Oxenhurt. The name's probably familiar because oh, yeah. his brother Carson <laughs> played. Um, he's a junior, didn't play last year uh, where Jackson did, but, you know, another kid that's extremely quick, coachable. We're also looking at him, to be honest, on defense as, as a safety. So he's okay. kind of learning both sides. And then Jack Cummins, who played RF, will also be taking some reps at running back. 
Um, but I, you know, I think the reality is we have two quarterbacks that can throw it right now. We have a mm-hmm. lot of really good weapons at receiver. So for the first time in a long time, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be a surprise to anybody. We're going to be more balanced than run heavy than past years, and that's uh, that's good for us. You know, I think that'll really keep teams on their toes, knowing that we'll be a really balanced attack. Yeah, and I'm expecting that uh, probably Josh on the outside and, yeah. and Finn will be a big part of the Yeah, offense. and Alex will be back in a couple weeks. Um, you know, in baseball, he hyperextended um, his knee, but he's fine. And it's just you know something where we shut him down for the rest of the summer until uh, August starts. But you know, with Alex back, Finn back, Cummins back, and then Kirkpatrick, you really have four really really strong uh, seniors in those roles. And then we've got a couple juniors kind of stepping in, and then Cook, who's another one that was out here tonight, is a senior, is a lacrosse player, uh, has really been nice for us. He actually started two games last year before he got injured, but um, you know, kind of a newer football player now, kind of finding his way. Sure. Uh, Prouty and Olgus are two juniors that um, really are, are another Olgus. Yeah, another Olgus. <laughs> totally different though. Not a lineman. I mean, this is a skill kid who right now is kind of you know battling for our starting free safety spot, and you know right now has got the nod tonight as being our first our first string guy there. So it, we look for him to start somewhere in the field. Sure. For us. Thanks so much for joining us, Coach. All right, we're going to move on over now, and we are going to hear from Loyola Academy uh, head coach John Holosuk. And how's the uh, how's the offense looking so far? Early on here, Coach. Obviously, you alluded to it earlier. On both sides of the ball, a lot of uh, replacements to be made with the heavy senior class last year. But early on, how's the offense looking? I know uh, probably probably looking at Jake at the quarterback position. Yeah, Jake Jake's obviously going to be a steady hand and, and very good talent. Um, Marco Maldonado is a special player, big contributor for you guys last scholarship year. Scholarship for sure type player. Um, next thing that stands out are, are tight ends. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack Fitzgerald and Jack Parker have shown some real good promise this year. Um, you know, unfortunately, our, you know, the returning starter, Roger Simon, has been, been out for a while. And, and then a couple other guys, but Danny Collins has, has looked good. Um, and our offensive line should be uh, should, should be formidable. They're, they're, they're big. Yeah, and similarly on the defensive side of the ball, a lot of replacements there as well. So, nice. How's, how's, how's the defense looking early on, Coach? Uh, you know, it's it's a work in progress. Uh, we got to find the right personnel that that can compete against the major talent in the Catholic League, and and we're still rotating corners, um, safeties. We got two guys that um, haven't played a lot. One Mark was was injured, and then Quinn Nemeshine's coming over from uh, as a quarterback, coming over to safety. Um, a lot of work, a lot of stuff that we have to worry about. Um, outside linebackers that we had last year are two, you know, studs, college, major college players yeah. where, you know, we've got to find those guys. Um, Losing that experience in the secondary that you guys had last year with Marty and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Marty was special. Um, you know, we, we, I, th- I think that the good part is. James Cruz is moving down in the middle, and, and he's a natural there, and he's long and he's nasty. You could blitz, uh, very athletic. And then Mike Williams, the other returner that we don't have to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, undersized D lineman, but you know, a fierce wrestler and competitor that never stops. So you know, we got two kids to anchor, off, anchor our, our defense off of, and then a bunch of guys coming up playing well, um, you know, like our – Mike linebacker Jamie McCabe's been playing well, so you know we have we have some things that we we like. It just can build on some young. There's some young kids that are making mistakes and aren't really you know strong enough yet. So sure, work's cut out.
All right, thanks as always to John for joining us as well as Brian. Always good to get their insight and to get some X's and O's in seven on sevens. All right, we're halfway through the podcast, so let's give a quick thanks to our sponsor, the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. They have many locations in the Chicago area, so make sure you check them out, move better, and live better. All right, third quarter means we are going to do our weekly game of way or no way where I throw a proposition to Joe and Marty, and they say whether something happens way, something doesn't happen, no way. So, Marty, let's start things off with way or no way that Nevin Carmascoli wins the starter job for Nutrier. Yeah, I'm going to go way on this one. As I had mentioned earlier, I think he has every advantage uh, possible right now going into the season. He's got the experience uh, level that uh, can't be replicated. He has uh, – probably a little bit of a better understanding of the offense just from that experience. And he's a very talented quarterback. So I, I think he is going to get the chance to start the season. Um, and uh, certainly a, a very capable starter. I'd, I'll admit that I'll be surprised if they um, decide to go in a different direction. So I think it's his job right now. And uh, I think his, his play last season, his play off season, this off season has, uh, has earned him the right to be the starter. So, uh, I'm going to go way on that one. I'm going to go way as well. Um, very similar thought, just seeing, um, you know, tough defenses at the varsity levels, such as, you know, GBN put a nice defense on the field last year. And of course, Maine South and Evanston. So, uh, you know, navigating those and, and a couple of those to victories uh, are tough. So I'm going to give him that, but coming with the caveat that I haven't seen Grand Maestros live and, you know, Marty saw him in a seven and seven, but, you know, it's really tough to get a good feel. I think the coaching staff obviously, obviously knows a lot better and has the idea of that, how that will translate to the varsity level. Um, and at the end, Talon's going to win the day. I don't think Dole has made any, Coach Dole has made any um, um, compromises to that um, over the years. So if Graham has it, I think he'll, he'll, he'll make the, make the push to the starter, but I do think it's Nevins to lose and he's, He's done enough. All right. Uh, we got a nine-game season looking forward to this fall. So we are no way, Joe, that Loyola wins more than seven and a half games. <coughs> I'll say way. Um, <laughs> I, I really like Maldonado. I think we're looking at another dynamic season for Loyola running back. And I feel like Sterney's capable and going to su surprise some people. Uh, with Maldonado being such a threat, he's going to have some open lanes to throw to, you know, talented receivers, Roger Simon, Danny Collins, who played varsity before, and their tight ends. Uh, so I, I like the offense, and I am not worried about the defense at least being well above average, if not elite. And that's just who Loyola is. So I, I think we're looking at an eight-win program. The only reason they might have to take a loss is if uh, – you know, another Catholic League team takes that big step up. And we've seen it from either, you know, Rita did it last year. Um, it could be Carmel. It could be Brother Rice. Um, you know, anybody, you know, some years it's Providence. So um, we'll see who it is. But I think it's Loyola's right now. And I say at least eight. Yeah, partially for the sake of disagreeing and partially for some reasoning, which I'll explain later. I'm going to say no way on this. Woo! I think I'll. Wow. Yeah, I think my early prediction for them is seven and two. So right under the 7.5 total 
that bulletin had, board material that you had mentioned, Michael. And yeah, they'll, uh, you know, very likely prove me wrong and make this sound like a horrible take. I'm sure in probably the first eight weeks, they'll probably start out eight, no, and then put this prediction to, to failure pretty quickly. But, um, yeah, it's just, I think, going to be one of those situations where there will be a little bit of a, a learning curve and some adjustments the first couple of weeks, and maybe that leads to one loss. And then you get into the grind of just, you know, six or seven tough games back to back, some short weeks mixed in there with the Fridays and Saturdays um, situation that, that they have always in their schedule. So those are always a little bit tougher. So I think I think maybe there's two losses there. I do really like the schedule for them. It seems like a favorable schedule. Um, it seems a little bit less daunting than some of the schedules they've had in previous seasons, some of the matchups that are on there. So I would say that the schedule is in their, is in their favor, but um, I think we, you know, we have seen in past years that in the first couple of weeks, there are some, some times where, where they'll slip up where they're not yet firing on all cylinders. They're, obviously always a program where at the end of the season, they're playing their best. So um, sometimes that leads to some opportunities to maybe sneak a win by them in the first couple of weeks. So um, I'll say for, for, as I had mentioned, I, I, I think seven and two um, partially just to uh, get a disagreement in there. But uh, I, I, I think that there might be two losses in there this year. All right. Final way or no way. Um, obviously things in life are pretty much normal and things are, uh, open now a little bit, but, um, there is still some COVID issues going on. So way or no way, Marty, that we'll have any game cancellations or postponement because of COVID this fall. Oh yeah. That's a really tough one. And I, uh, would have to, I think, look a little bit deeper into some of the updated guidance because, with the new guidance from IDPH and the CDC as it relates to vaccinated individuals, I think that could affect who would then subsequently have to go into quarantine if a positive case of COVID-19 were to, were to come up. So I'm going to say no way because I think the, the new guidance and the new procedures, um, particularly rated related to vaccinations will allow for a little bit more flexibility than we had last season. So I'm going to say an optimistic, no way. All right. I'm going to disagree there and say way. I think some things are going to get canceled. Are you talking about this area in particular though, or the, like the state? Just in general. In general. Yeah. I think, I think we're going to see something um, whether it's in football or, you know, an indoor sport um, with slightly different guidelines like girls volleyball. Um, I think we're going to see something, you know, there are counties and, and districts in this area, in the state, even in the suburbs that aren't highly vaccinated and with variants coming around. And um, while I don't think, I think, um, you know, we can control, you know, we can trust our health officials and, and emergency officials to control outbreaks and things like that. I think there will be many bursts, many pockets that could shut down a sports team here or there um, for a week or two. I think it'll happen. Um, it's not gone COVID-19 um, and there's still a lot of work to be done on the vaccination side. So uh, I will say way that there will be some cancellations that we'll hear about. All right, folks, there you have it. That is way or no way our weekly guessing game. We're going to move on over now to the fourth quarter where we will talk about the upcoming schedules for both Loyola and Nutrier. And then toward the end of the podcast, we'll also 
hit on some other uh, summer things that are going on in the area before we said goodbye. But we are looking forward to this. We called them out last week. So naturally, the IHSA releases schedules because we have that much power here on the Varsity Podcast. But um, let's break down the Loyola schedule to start things off. Loyola starts its season at home on August 28th against Marquette University High School. That team obviously is from Wisconsin. Then on September 11th, Loyola hosts St. Rita. On September 17th, they travel to Brother Rice. On September 24th, they travel to Fenwick. On October 2nd, they host Marist. On October 9th, they host Providence. On October 15th, they travel to St. Patrick's. And then they end the regular season on October 22nd with a trip down to Mount Carmel. So Marty, you hinted on this a little bit about um, having a favorable schedule, but what do you guys think about this schedule? Kind of surprised to see St. Pat's getting in there late into the year. Um, and obviously there's no uh, week two matchup yet. These are only, there are only eight games on the schedule so far. Yeah, I'm really curious to see who's going to slot into that week two matchup. And hopefully they are able to uh, confirm an opponent sooner rather than later, um, because I'd hate to have to see them lose a week. And unfortunately it was a, a problem that they dealt with quite a bit last year with uh, COVID-19 cancellations and teams switching in and out. So hopefully week two gets solidified here sooner rather than later, but yeah, some interesting matchups that we, we don't normally see some, some steps from the normal, you know, uh, they've got Fenwick on the schedule, which is a, uh, a different matchup than we, we, we haven't seen in a while. And then you also throw in uh, Providence, Providence Catholic and St. Pat's, which, um, all Catholic League schools right there, but uh, as I'd mentioned, not matchups we normally see in a while. Uh, had a chance to watch Fenwick football quite a bit growing up because uh, I had went to, to school not far from there. So uh, that's kind of a fun, different one that I'll be looking forward to uh, checking out. But as I'd mentioned earlier, I, I do think it's a pretty favorable schedule for the Ramblers with uh, some of the programs that are on there, not to take away anything from them, but those um, those matchups, I think, against St. Pat's, against Providence, against Fenwick, do heavily favor the Ramblers. So uh, right now, what we're looking at, I think it's a, a pretty good schedule for the Ramblers. Interested to see week one, though, um, how Marquette looks. I know that's a, a program maybe they have faced before in the past, but interested to see uh, what we get out of that. In the past, we've got some, some really unique week one matchups before. Uh, with Loyola so that should hopefully be another fun one but uh, interesting schedule this year with some with some alterations to the uh, typical year so excited for some uh, some new venues and new matchups yeah it's really interesting to see some of these uh, new teams you mentioned there I don't think Loyola has seen Fenwick for a little bit Uh, Fenwick has some uh, D1 talent there though Um, again St. Patrick's there an ESCC team um, obviously that's part of the CCL ESCC merger. Um, do we know, are they like constantly changing the division every single year? So you get new teams and that kind of stuff. Or are they permanently keeping, uh, the divisions that they've had for the last couple of years now? I'm pretty sure they're keeping them unless there's something I don't know. I just wasn't sure based on like, you know, when they combined, made this huge Catholic conference, whether they would like mix it up and that kind of stuff. But um, it should be really interesting to see what, um, who they have and that kind of stuff. Obviously seeing Rita brother rice to start the year off and with hard, um, team. I mean, to be honest with you, is there a game that you guys really see that, uh, not that any team ever takes a week off or anything like that, but it doesn't really seem like there's like a, a, a 
easy week or a cupcake week, as some people would call it? Uh, I mean, I don't want to call any teams cupcakes here, but um, I, I think Loyola's got a couple efficient victories. Um, easier than normal weeks. Easier <laughs> maybe. victories than normal. I mean, I think they'll take care of business against Fenwick and St. Pat's. Um, Providence has been, for the Catholic League, a step below those those top four the past few years. Um, but, you know, they, you never know. They get an influx of talent, and they'll, they'll bring it. Um, so uh, Marquette, you know, we don't know. Um, they're always a pretty quality Jesuit program, but um, I, I think it'll be a close game. But that's one that's just kind of a question mark since we don't know them year in and year out, and they didn't play at all last year, I don't believe. So um, I think they got a couple simple uh, efficient victories. Um, <laughs> and um, and uh, I, I really think – um, it's a favorable schedule with those and with front loadings, interesting with, with St. Rita and, um, brother rice, um, just because those are going to be two of their four toughest games. So you get them out of the way early, they get wins there. They build some confidence or they just build some toughness as they kind of work through the season. Um, it'll be interesting. That, that's a nice dynamic. I'm going to look forward to that week two. They don't have anybody there who could possibly be there. I have, Literally no idea, no whispers um, in our ears yet. So, you know, it could be an out-of-state team that's, uh, you know, 28-0 the past four. Oh, Lincoln Way. Oh, Lincoln Way. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? I wonder if their schedule's out. I'm sure uh, it might be. But we'll see what week two brings. I think that might be their only chance for a uh, an unusual interesting game, a non-Catholic interesting game. Well, then you have I, – I like the way both teams end the year. I mean, Loyola faces off against Mount Carmel. You figure that game is probably for a division title. If not, I, I mean, you figure those two teams ending the season against each other, probably one of the five best teams, both probably in the top five when it comes to state of rankings. I mean, that will be quite the match at the end of regular season. Yeah, that's prime time. Looking forward to that on a, on a Friday night. That should be a fun one, hopefully with uh... – with both teams sitting with something to play for in that week. Cause sometimes in that final week, we'll see maybe there's a, a little bit less than usual to play for, but hopefully both teams will have uh, high stakes on the line. All right. Give me Loyola's record. What, what are they doing with against the schedule? I mean, obviously there's one game there, so we'll do only do an eight game record so far, but um, what's the record against uh, this schedule? Yeah, I'll stick with what I said earlier. I think it's uh, – and I'll just go the full nine games. I think it's seven and two, and that's without seeing who it's going to be in week two. But as Joe had mentioned, probably limited options. It might be an out-of-state team. I don't know. Um, might be an in-state cancellation. It's hard to tell. But seven and two, I think right now, um, five weeks from opening night is where I'm sitting. I like to go big, especially early predictions. I'm seeing a nine and zero. I'm seeing uh, <laughs> you know, classic, season, possibly two undefeated teams. Although Mount Carmel was a bit overrated early in the season last year, um, you know, I I I like this team. I, I like the way he's talking about the quarterback um, Sterney, he being the coach, and um, I think they fill in the defense without you know, as much problem as he, as coach Halasek makes it seem. Um, I think they have the talent there to fill in those positions and be um, pretty explosive on both sides of the ball. Um, I'm, I'm saying it's a, it's a nine and zero season. 
Well, all right. We'll see how that goes. Um, we'll move on over now to the new Trier schedule way where they uh, traveled to face off against Lions in week one. Then they host Stevenson and then they host Barrington. They travel to Conant. They're at Evanston. They host GBN. They're at GBS. They host Niles West and then they host Maine South to end the regular season. Um, that is a that's a tough non-conference guys or a sneaky tough non-conference where some of the opponents you might think might not be um, as strong. And then obviously to finish off um, against Maine South, obviously two of the better teams in the CSL South, that should be a fun way to end the regular season as well. Yeah, this is, this is a fun schedule. There's some, there's some games I'm really looking forward to on here. And we had talked about it before the schedule uh, came out that we had hoped we'd get some, some unusual matchups that we hadn't seen in a few years. And that's definitely what we got. Uh, the one that really sticks out to me is Nutria versus Stevenson. It's probably been a little bit since those two teams have matched up, matched up. Uh, the other non-conference games, I think they have faced lions pretty recently. Um, it could maybe have been their opening matchup in 2019, if I'm not mistaken. And then usually in the, in the past couple of years here, a, a non-conference game against Barrington has been a bit of a tradition. So I'm glad to see that that game is back on the schedule because Barrington always a very talented and uh, fun program. And that should, that should be a really fun game. So um, looking forward to that, but yeah, it's a, it's a tough non-conference schedule. No, no gimmies on there. Um, and there, there's going to be a, a, a tough stretch in the season. I think uh, starting week two through about week five or six, where, you know, every game is going to be a, a close battle. So uh, really excited. And I think uh, some, some interesting matchups on this schedule that we haven't had the chance to see now in, in several years. So excited to, uh, to travel to some new uh, venues this year. Yeah, it is a fun schedule. You know, they played Lions, Barrington, and Conan in 2019, to your point, Martin. I just kind of checked up on that. They beat Lions and lost to Barrington and Conan. That was the first time they missed the playoffs in like 12 seasons, or maybe it was upwards of 14, 15 seasons. Um, so um, <clears throat> they get them all back on the schedule. I think, you know, with the guys coming back and especially the, the experience at the quarterback position, I like them taking care of Lions and Conan. Uh, Barrington, I, that might just be too much that on the season, but I think, I think it'll be a better game than they previously given Barrington. So I think that's going to be a fun one. Um, who am I missing on the night? Oh, Stevenson. And you, you guys have both talked about it. Stevenson's a fun one too, of kind of Illinois biggest suburban high schools going at it. Same with Lions. Uh, it, it's just fun. So, um, that'll be a good one too. I think Nutria prevails there takes the loss against Barrington. I'm thinking in, uh, um, in the non-con. And then I think we're gonna have a similar conference and it's going to lead up to Maine South. Once again, it'll be really interesting to see what uh, they're able to do. The non-conference uh, will definitely provide some tests there. Um, do you feel like both Maine South and Nutria will be undefeated heading into their matchup? Or are there other teams in the CSL South that could play some spoilers? Uh, so are you asking conference undefeated or overall undefeated? Uh, if so, conference just undefeated. Just let me pull up Maine South's uh, schedule because I'm curious how uh, how they're looking in the non-conference. But in the conference, to answer your question, I think absolutely, Michael. 
I think they'll both be 4-0 in conference heading into that game. Uh, that's me saying it, not knowing a lot about what the rest of the CSL looks like right now. I'm just kind of basing that off of what I saw last year and what I know of who will be coming back and who won't. Um, I'll have to double check it. If either of you guys know off the top of your head, though, that'd be great. But is Cheeks coming back for Evanston? Because that will be. Um, no, I think Cheeks was a senior. Okay. Yeah, I thought so as well. But um, back a senior too. Sean Cruz, I believe, was a junior last year. So I believe okay. he'll be back um, for them. And he's, he's a big talent. And they had a lot of uh, – they had a really good team last year. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how much of that they're bringing forward. But um, it is uh, interesting and a little bit tougher for the Trevs that that game now comes on the road as opposed to being at, um, at Nutria and Northfield. So that'll be a tough game. But to, uh, to answer your question, Michael, I think both teams – will be 4-0 going into that. Um, and just quickly, guys, sorry to, uh, to blabber here. Had a chance to pull up Maine South schedule, and it's a, it's a fun non-conference one, too. It looks like they're going to be opening with Stevenson, so we'll get a pretty indication, pretty good indication right off the bat how both those teams look. And then in week two, they've got Warren, obviously in the last five or so years has been a, a powerhouse 8A program. And then they close out non-conference with Fremd and Palatine. So really tough, nice non-conference schedule for the Hawks as well. So, Cheek, um, sorry for them. I, I was lying to you. Cheeks is graduating next year. So Cheeks is okay. back. Okay, Cheeks is back. So hey, he's a 22. I think the Kits will be bringing a pretty good team this year as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Kits are on the up, and um, Maine South is who it is. And uh, I think North is on the up too, and South – because they were so far down is coming back to where they should be. So I think the conference is only getting better really. And, and Nutrier's in a good spot. So I think we're going to see some competitive stuff on the field this year. What are your guys' record uh, in July? Way too early predictions. Uh, I like them at seven and one going into the main South game. And I would really like to reserve my prediction on that game until I know more about main <laughs> South. Cause uh if I'm not mistaken, and Joe might be able to jump in here, I think the quarterback we saw in that week five game last year was a freshman, and he had some really impressive arm talent to him. So I expect he'll only get better. And usually when Maine South has a good quarterback, they are very, very dangerous. So uh, I like seven and one going into that uh, going into that final game against Maine South. I think the slip-up comes against Barrington. I agree with Joe that I think they'll be able to handle Lions and Conan uh, to quote our earlier expression easier than normal, maybe. And I think they'll get by Stevenston in what will be a pretty close game. The Evanston game is the swing one, obviously between maybe a two uh, between a one or a two or a three loss season. What happens there? Because if they fall to Evanston, then there's a chance that it could be a, a two or a three loss season. If then they did fall to Maine South too. So I'm going to say right now, seven and one, uh, going to hold off on deciding what happens in Maine South again in the Maine South game. But I do really like for Nutria that that game comes at home this year. Uh, so that's a big factor, I think. I think I might, I might throw you guys for a loop here. And I'm going to say, I think they take two conference losses. I think, uh, oh. I think Maine South had the player of the year and the offensive end, and he's back. Uh, I think they have a returning quarterback, like Marty said, that, that played had some had some uh, 
action. Uh, so I think they're good. I think that's going to be a tough one for Nutrier. Uh, and I think between Evanston, North and South, I think somebody surprises them. I just do this year. I think that it's getting better in this conference. Um, and, um, you know, Glenbrook South has had some rough years, uh, but maybe they're on the come and maybe Glenbrook North does some things special this year. I don't know. I think, I just think there's going to be something that surprises Nutrier and I'm just not convinced of the defensive end. I think they got some holes there and I want to see it. Um, and I'm just, my mind's eye isn't seeing it yet. So I think a six and three season is pretty darn good. And I think that's what it could be. Yeah. I really look at that week two through week five stretch as the potential danger zone because you get Stevenson and Barrington back to back and you know, those are going to be hard hitting physical games. And then you got to go on the road in week four and then you come back for another tough start to the conference season on the road again against Evanston. You know, they'll be hyped up for that game. You know, there'll be a big crowd there. So that's really the danger zone. And that little stretch of the season is going to decide um, how things play out for them. In my opinion, if they're able to come out of that stretch with only one loss or undefeated, then that really sets up the, the rest of their season very, very nicely. Definitely. So it'll be really fun to see uh, what happens. We're, what, five weeks away from the start of the regular season, maybe a few more. But um, football is right around the corner. Um, so make good way to uh, get things uh, started by looking at some uh, early matchups and what we're looking forward to. Some things to tie uh, this podcast up. The Waves of Wilmette, they beat Evanston 12-2 to on Tuesday as they get back into action this past week. Um, Carter Sickle and Amy Bean Blossom uh, performed really well for the Nutria Girls golf team. Um, Carter uh, took first place and Amy took second at attorney in Oak Meadows. So congratulations to them as well. Uh, we got some fun features happening on the record North Shore to make so make sure you guys are checking those out. And as always, make sure you guys are checking out all the previous episodes of the podcast get the good interviews and insight there. A quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, what have you, we're all there. So that was a jam-packed football episode, as it always was. Make sure you spread the word about this. And for Joe, Marty, and I, thanks so much for joining us this week, and we will talk to you guys down the road. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Varsity, a product of the record NorthShore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute with more than 150 fellowship trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com.